0: The Jets are turning their attention to the offseason by cutting running back Dalvin Cook. We'll talk about that and other big Jets off-season questions today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review, and if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out and helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Today we will have our weekly mailbag show. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag with listener questions, but before we get into mailbag questions, there was what I would call a minor move by the Jets yesterday, and it's kind of amazing when you think about the player's stature, and you would think about how big of a deal it was when the Jets signed him, but the Jets did waive running back Dolphin Cook with one game left in the season Cook had really fallen out of the running back rotation, and reports indicate that he asked for his release. And the reason he did that is quite simple. In the NFL, even when you have an expiring contract, it typically, it technically runs until March of the next year. So it runs, your contract runs until the new league year begins. So Dalvin Cook, if he the Jets did not cut him, would remain technically on the Jets roster until March. Because the Jets cut him, he can now sign with a playoff team. Now, which playoff team would want to sign Dalvin Cook? Uh, I, I'm not sure that there is one, or I'm not sure it'd be well advised for any teams. You know, when you think of playoff teams, you'd have to think smart teams, and I don't think signing Dalvin Cook at this point of his career was a, would be a very smart move. He, you know, he's just it was a move. The Jets rolled the dice on him. The reasons that they did it is they restructured Aaron Rodgers' contract late, and I think sometimes when a move doesn't work out. We look at the effects, and we don't look at the causes. And the causes of this signing are pretty easy to follow. The Jets took forever to complete the Aaron Rodgers trade. What was it? it was over a month after between Rodgers announcing he was coming, he wanted to come to the Jets, and them completing the trade. Then it took even longer. You know, the Jets dragged their feet on renegotiating the Rodgers deal. Rodgers renegotiates his deal and gives the Jets a bunch of cap space. But by the time the deal was done, by the time the Jets knew how much cap space they had to deal with, there weren't many players available and cook was really the only player of any significance so the jets rolled the dice on him i look i have to take the loss on this one i thought it was going to work out i remember i was you know it's funny because i've been on the road traveling for the holidays i the, i think that was like the one the last time i was on the road i remember it was i was in greece uh back in august and i woke up uh and found that the jets had signed dalvin cook while i was sleeping and i thought maybe he and freeze hall could be a great one two punch his last season in minnesota was pretty good but as we saw here not much left in the tank. No plays longer than 15 yards from scrimmage this year. Uh, it just, it didn't work out. You know, I, I and I, have, part of the reason it did not work out is you should not sign old running backs. And I said that all the time. And I neglected what I said when I praised this signing. It was a bad signing. It was not a move the Jets should have made. They made it because again, they dragged their feet on the Rogers trade. They dragged their feet on the renegotiation. Well, when you do that and you only have Dalvin Cook as your, available as your option, you're setting yourself up for disappointments. So Dalvin Cook now heading somewhere else after a very undistinguished career with the New York Jets. Now let's move into our weekly mailbag. It's the last week of the season, but unsurprisingly with the Jets at 6-10 and out of the playoff race and a game that has zero significance outside of draft positioning and maybe some pride, maybe the Jets can spoil Bill Belichick's last game, a guy who's tormented them through the years. This is it's not like the other team New England has anything to play for. It's not like New, the Patriots are playing for a playoff spot. So this is just a game to get rid of and unsurprisingly most of our questions focus on the offseason. Our first question, like it or not, Woody Johnson is the owner of the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers means all chips will be in 24 in 2024 like it or not. This is if it, if this is the reality versus hope logic or wish, don't we have to be aggressive making trades to add ta- talent to the and Outside of John Franklin Myers, what types of contract restructuring could the Jets do to create some cap space? Also, would you think it would be a good idea to make more Ram-style trades for players, trading draft picks for established players? So essentially what the question boils down to is should the Jets continue this all-in approach this offseason and how can they do that? And I think we're going to get into this in more detail in the weeks ahead. I I think that the Jets would be very ill-advised to continue torching future draft picks, torching future cap space to try and win the Super Bowl in 2024. This team's just not close enough to make it happen in one offseason, or at least to make it a realistic possibility. I think as currently constructed, if Aaron Rodgers is back and healthy and you know something resembling his former self, the Jets will be a competitive team in 2024. The Jets might even be a playoff team if they get the right breaks. I don't know that like adding any other pieces though, especially older pieces is going to move the needle all that much. I think the question is whether you want to be a competitive potential playoff team with future flexibility or you want to be a competitive future uh, playoff potential playoff team. With an old roster that needs to be turned over and few assets to do so going forward, I mean, all you're really the only really question. I don't think the Jets are really monumentally increasing their Super Bowl odds by adding any of these other guys. that are rumored like a David Bakhtiari or Devontae Adams or any o- other old friends of Aaron Rodgers. I just think they're limiting their future flex- flexibility. And I think as currently again currently constituted, the Jets get in the playoff drought. And I think the focus should be on ending the playoff drought next year rather than winning the super bowl i think that that's a more realistic possibility and again the jets have a good core of young talent i think it could be like one of those situations kind of like an iceberg like above above the water you can see that the team's going to be competitive and below the water you know jets have a chance to reset their cap situation and do it in a way that their fan base will like because they'll still be competitive you know and you're not burning through future resources but as the question mentioned, Woody Johnson's the owner of this team. So I don't know how realistic it is. And I think that based on some of Woody Johnson's comments over the last couple of weeks, the Jets believe that they're closer to the Super Bowl than I do. So how do they reset their cap situation? There aren't really many obvious cuts for this team that would save a lot of money. You know, if you look at the cuts that would that would actually put a dent in the salary cap, you have CJ Mosley. That'd save you a little over $10 million. The thing is, like, if you're going all in, C.J. is probably a player you want on the team. Lakin Tomlinson, I don't, know th- I don't know that Joe Douglas is going to do that. And here's the thing with cutting Lakin Tomlinson. I probably would do it. But you're opening up a pretty big hole at left guard that's not going to be easy to fill. So I don't know that they're going to do that. Of the players I look at, the only one who seems like an obvious cut right now is C.J. Uzama. And that's the state of the Jets' cap right now, is that they're close to the cap. Functionally speaking, they don't have a lot of space. Over the cap has them at about $15 million of projected cap space next season and there's not a lot that's there aren't a lot of players they can cut obviously and part of it's again they've they've pushed a lot of money to 2024 to try and load up in 2023 so are we going to do it again well if you're going to do it again here's how you do it you restructure contracts and the, here's essentially a, a very brief breakdown of how that works let's say at my salary for the season's five million dollars Well, I can con. Your base salary counts against the salary cap, so my base salary of five million dollars—that's a five million dollar cap hit. But I can convert that to signing bonus. Signing bonus: the player gets a lump sum up front. So, essentially, instead of getting five million dollars over the course of seventeen game checks, five million dollars—if your base salary is five million dollars—you get it over the course of the seventeen-week season. Signing bonus means you get the $5 million up front, or they can schedule it however they want. They could do like two and a half now, two and a half in a few months. It, that's part of the ne- negotiation for a signing bonus. But the point is you get, you get the, the more money up front, but it's charged to the cap over the life of your contract. So let's say I convert $5 million of base salary into signing bonus, and I have five years left on my contract. Well, then it becomes $1 million for each year because the signing bonus is divided equally when we're talking about the cap hits over the life of the contract up to five years. So it'd be 1 million, 1 million, 1 million, 1 million, 1 million, because there's five years left on the contract. We're dividing $5 million equally over those five years. So in essence, you've created $4 million worth of cap space. And we could also do what's known as void years, which is essentially the same thing. You convert money to signing bonus and you add a couple of years at the end of, at the end of the contract, but they're not really years because the contract technically voids at a date before the end of the contract. That's really complex. We'll probably have like a cap one hundred and one show before we get into free agency, but that's how you do it. They're going to have to restructure contracts and they could do it with anybody. You know, I, it's difficult to say who the targets will be because last year I wouldn't have pro- projected some of the guys that they ended up, uh, restructuring, but. I think that that's ultimately what's going to happen. And any player, is going to, any player is going to want to do it because you get more money up front. See, that's that's the misconception. I think a lot of people think, oh, you're being a team player by restructuring your contract. Now, if you're taking just a straight pay cut, if you're reducing my $5 million salary to $3 million, that's another way to do it. But more often, it's just converting base salary to signing bonus. And that's probably what we'll see going forward with the New York Jets. Will Mackay Becton be going forward with the New York Jets. As we continue on this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to the beleaguered left tackle of this team. You know, it's been a tough four years for Mekhi Becton. Will there be a year five in New York? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why continuing this Wednesday edition of Locked on Jets. This episode of Locked on Jets is brought to you by Game Time. You know, you should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Let, let me tell you a story. I've been mentioning on the show how I was in San Diego over the holidays, visiting my brother and his family. Well, a bunch of us were going to the Holiday Bowl. It's a college bowl game each year held in San Diego, was USC versus Louisville. Well, right before we're all ready to head out to the stadium, my five-year-old nephew says, I want to go. And we didn't think he'd want to go, so nobody bought him a ticket. Nobody knew what to do. I pulled out my phone. I pulled out the game time app. The true story, got a great ticket for a very cheap price. Nephew got to go and was very happy. That could be you, whether you want to go to a sporting event, comedy, theater, music, you name it, game time has it. Take the guesswork out of my tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout-out to you everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday. Now let's continue with our weekly mailbag. Our next question. Hi, John. Being from the UK, I'm not fully up on the nuances of good offensive line play. So my question is this: Is Mikeay Becton an NFL starting caliber tackle? If so, is he worth bringing back? In what price? Amazingly, he stayed relatively fit this year, but my uneducated eye, he's looked bad most of the season. And this is from Peter from the UK. Uh, You know, Peter, I, I think Becton's really struggled this year, and you know, he got off to a bit of a rough start the first couple of weeks. And then I thought maybe he was rounding into form a little bit around like week three, week four, week five. And that coincided with the move to left tackle. You know, whether that had something to do with it, I don't know. We know Becton's been very vocal about wanting to play the left tackle position for the Jets, but, you know, I think he struggled. I'll I'll tell you the area I'm most disappointed with Becton. And there aren't a lot of stats that like back this up. So this is really kind of eye test and perception and, you know, kind of going on, you know, checking my views versus people I trust. I've been really disappointed in his run blocking. I mean, when if you remember when the Jets drafted him out of Louisville, now part of it was he, was he was just so big, but if you watch some of his highlights at Louisville, I mean, he just moved people. He was just a, I mean, he he was a road grader in the run game. And of course, it's different playing in the ACC versus playing in the NFL. But I don't think Becton's been that good of a run blocker this year. You know, that left side of the line, Lakin Tomlinson and Mackay Becton, they just should. The Jets should be able to run behind that left side. And they haven't been able to run anywhere. You know, look at if you look at Brees Hall's numbers, they haven't been great, uh, you know, last week aside, running the ball. But you see Brees when he gets the ball in space in the passing game, still plenty explosive. So to me, what that says is the run blocking's not been good enough. And you know, pass blocking you knew Becton coming out was more, it felt like he was more advanced as a run blocker than a pass blocker. You knew that there would be some issues in pass protection, especially against speedy guys, because he's so big, he's so long. He's going to struggle to get out of his stance quickly. You hope that his, you know, he had enough athleticism and combine it with his size, they'd be able to hold up against most edge rushers. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the numbers over the last couple of days over the last week. I mean, he's at the top of the league in penalties at the top of the league in sacks allowed. And I guess it's easy to say that, Oh, uh, well, you know, two years off an injury, there's some rust. Yeah, you know, the problem, though, is when's Becton going to play well? This is year four. Year one is a rookie. I thought he held up pretty well, at least by the cur- on the curve I was grading him. You know, I thought he was very raw coming out of Louisville. He held up okay. You know, I thought he, he had some excellent games. He had some poor games near the end of the season. But grading on the rookie curve, I thought year one went well. But then year two, he doesn't play. There, You know, he plays like three quarters of the first game. Your three, he doesn't play. Your four, it's this much of a struggle. When is Makai Becton going to play well? I mean, what has Makai Becton done to show us that he belongs in this league? You might be able to talk me, and I go back and forth on this. I mean, I think I said the opposite last week. I, I, I'm going back and forth on this. If he like, comes back as a backup, a cheap backup, maybe you can talk me into it. Maybe then you can sell me on the idea that it's rust. If he get you, know, If he gets more playing time, he'll be better, but... First of all, like, despite the fact he's remained relatively healthy this year, can we trust him to stay, to stay on the field? I don't think the answer is yes. And can we trust that he's going to play well? No. So that to me, that takes him out of the starting discussion. And I was very vocal in the offseason. I thought it was crazy for the Jets to go into the, the season with Dwayne Brown and Mackay Beckton as their two tackles with no plan B. And unfortunately, I think it's played out that way. I think it's played out in a way that has not been good for the Jets. Next question, I'm concerned about the future at quarterback for the Jets. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers back in 2024, things are settled there. It, it could be very well that J.D. and Robert Sala are worried about keeping their jobs, but we may be sell- seller dwellers for a long time without a quarterback of the future. Is, the, is there a way we can land one through the draft, through a trade, or what, through one of the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft? Can we get creative? So the question come, boils down to, can the Jets find their quarterback of the future this offseason? And I'm going to vary from what a lot of people have to say. A lot of people are saying, you got to load up for Aaron Rodgers' of the last season. Look, I think in the NFL, if you don't have a long term quarterback of the future, that's got to be your number one priority, finding him. And I understand, you know, I'm sympathetic to some arguments. I'm sympathetic to the argument that Jets need to build their team up around the quarterback so they don't throw them into a bad situation. That's been a chronic issue with the Jets when they've drafted these quarterbacks. But The thing is, you don't always get to choose the quarterback at the point that's most convenient for you. And I think when you artificially go into a draft saying, we're not drafting a quarterback no matter what, and you need a long-term quarterback, that can prove to be a mistake because there's not a great quarterback available to you every year. The last time the Jets went into a draft and they said, we're not taking a quarterback, this isn't our year, even though we need one long-term, this isn't the year we want to draft one. It was 2017. And you know who they passed on that year? Mr. Mahomes, who went to Kansas City. Now, there's a debate, you know, would Mahomes have been as great without Andy Reid? There's a debate, would he have been as good going to an awful Jets roster? You know, we don't know these things. But that shows you the danger of, of this idea, well, we have to wait for the year that's right for us. I understand that, you know, Jets are without a second-round pick this year. You know, their first-round pick might be the only player they draft who they can reasonably expect to step into the starting lineup, and they have glaring needs at tackle and receiver. But the draft is about the long term. And sometimes you have to think ahead. Now, you know, we don't know where the Jets are going to draft yet, and there's still some part of the process that needs to play out. I mean, we're not, you know, we haven't reached the Senior Bowl. We haven't reached, you know, any of the interviews. We haven't reached the Combine, Pro Day workouts. The college season's not even over. Two quarterback prospects are playing in the National Championship game next week. So there's still a long way to go here, you know, uh, but... You know, I, I, I we don't know who's going to be available for the gig yet. We don't know where the Jets are going to be picking, but I think you have to be open to the idea of taking a quarterback. I'm not saying you go into the draft. Definitely saying we're taking a quarterback. That's just as big of a mistake. That's the mistake the Jets made in 2021. But if the guy you if you think there's a guy, good guy who's available, maybe it's Michael Penix. Um, you know, it could be somebody else. If he's there when you're drafting, I think you got to. Consider taking it because look at the team. You know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers a lot. Well, look at the team that the Jets got Aaron Rodgers from. They got a lot of criticism in the moments for drafting Aaron Rodgers' as replacement. They're playing a meaningful game this weekend in what should have been a rebuilding year with Jordan Love and very well may have found their quarterback of the future. Yeah, it took a, yeah, it's a short term hit. You're not going to get an impact from uh your first round pick. That hurts your team. But finding the court, finding your solution at quarterback helps way more than that short term hit. And I'll go back even further. Mr. Rogers, he was drafted at a point where it was a similar situation in Green Bay. Brett Favre, they were loading up for his final couple seasons. They took Aaron Rodgers, who did not help them immediately. You think the Packers regret that pick? I think you've got to be open to drafting a quarterback this year in the first round. And that's controversial. And we'll talk about that plenty in the offseason. And this offseason, well, who knows? Maybe it'll have some trades as we continue on this Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. We'll get into that. We'll talk about some players the Jets could potentially trade, maybe for some extra picks, maybe for some players. How much value do they have? I'll give you some thoughts continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of Lockdown On Jets. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season's wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, that's $150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose, so that certainly helps you if you're a Jets fan. I don't need to tell you how rough this year has been. If you bet the jets against the spread and this weekend in new England, the jets are currently two and a half point underdogs to the new England Patriots. One of the worst teams in the NFL, yet the jets are still underdogs. So maybe that's where you want to place your $5 money, money line bet. And you should know there's no better time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. And there are so many different ways to bets like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new explore tab. You can make a parlay in the parlay hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first better layup. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. On this Wednesday, we're doing our weekly mailbag show. We continue our next question. John, I think in a perfect scenario, the Jets maintain their spot in the first round, take an offensive tackle, and accumulate draft capital by trading a player or two. The two players that come to mind are Zach Wilson and John Franklin Myers. What do you think their value is? Do you think they'll be traded? Is there anyone else you could realistically see being traded before the draft? Okay, so a couple couple things here. Um, I don't think Zach Wilson has a ton of trade value. I'll be honest with you. Like, if it was up to, if it was just about football, I've said this. Uh, I've said this for over a year. Like, I'd keep Zach Wilson around. I'd try and use him as my developmental quarterback. See if he can improve him. I do think that there's been some degree of improvement this year and just keep rolling with him. The thing is like for Zach Wilson's sake, I would probably just try and get him out of here and get him a fresh start because this has become such a toxic environment and the jets have to own their role in that because they did not need to bring Zach Wilson as the number one backup this year. You knew when Aaron Rodgers went down, what probably would happen. He'd have to go out there and struggle on a team that wasn't that good. Yeah, so jets have to own some of that, but I think for Zach Wilson's sake, you try and get out, get him out of here, just get, let him start somewhere new and try and rebuild his career I'm guessing you're looking at a late day three pick for Zach Wilson. I mean, I know the Jets were able to get a two of four and a six for Sam Darnold, but that was a different case. I think in in, in the case of Darnold, there was a view the Jets really damaged him. Uh, There was a view that Adam Gase was Adam Gase. So maybe if we get him away from Adam Gase, he would succeed. But I I just don't think there's going to be a big market for Zach Wilson. I don't think there's any team that's going to be willing to give Zach Wilson a starting job. And that's the only way to get a big return for Zach Wilson. So I don't think there's going to be a big market for him. John Franklin Myers is actually a guy I would look to trade because I feel like he's got good value. He's near the end of his prime, but he's not quite there yet. He can play on defensive tackle. He can play defensive end. He's got a reasonable contract. So like, for me, this is like the old trade a guy, year too soon principle. There was a legendary baseball GM, Branch Rickey. He was actually the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers who signed Jackie Robinson. And he was just, he was just really one of the great executives in in North American sports, like any sport. Absolute genius, a guy who was decades ahead of his time, a guy who used advanced statistical analysis, you know, 50, 60 years before anybody else was. And he had an old saying that it's better to trade a player a year too soon than a year too late. And the idea is that if you trade a player a year too soon, yeah, you miss out on a good season for him, but you get something in return for him. You trade a player a year too late, his value is gone. I feel like that's the that's the John Franklin Myers principle right now. Cause I feel like he's probably near the end of his prime. He's probably got a good year or two left in him, but you've already seen kind of some decline from his play this year. And the other aspect of this is if you trade him, it kind of opens up a slot for to keep Bryce Huff, who's younger, who's entering his prime. So you get rid of the guy you know, in his late prime, you keep the guy who's entering his prime, and he, you know, it creates cap space for you. It, it, it probably pays, you know, probably goes a long way towards paying to keep Bryce Huff and you you get Bryce Huff for more years. What could JFM bring in? You know, if I'm optimistic, maybe a late day two pick, maybe I'm overly optimistic for a one year rental. You know, maybe it's more of an early day three pick. Uh, you know, that's a guy I would look to deal. Um, you know, other players who could have trade value, maybe DJ Reed plays a premium position, has a great contract. He's a little undersized. He depends on a lot of, a lot on his athleticism entering his late twenties. Is he going to age well? I mean, I think the last couple of weeks, DJ Reed hasn't played all that well. And I'm wondering, you know, is that just a, you know, is it just a, bad couple weeks, or is it the start? Maybe you are seeing decline again, maybe a year too early. And you also have saw, you still have sauce guard. You still have Michael Carter, the uh, second, the corner position is still the area of strength. Could you get a day two pick for DJ Reed? I think potentially Um, other guys who come to mind. I don't think they'll trade CJ Mosley. I think you could probably get a late pick for CJ Mosley. Some team looking for leadership, a quality linebacker. I don't think they'll do it. Uh Tyler Conklin, you know, I, I joke around a lot about Conklin. He's been perfectly fine this year. But if you look at his his stats are probably inflated, and the reason his stats are probably inflated is like the Jets don't have any receivers to throw to, so a lot more targets are funneling to Conklin than they should be otherwise. I look at this and I say, you know, Jervy Rucker could probably replace Conklin or come close to replacing Conklin if some team may do some box score scouting on Tyler Conklin and think he's more valuable than he really is. So. I look at it and I think maybe you could get like, I don't know, maybe a, four, early, maybe a fourth round pick or something like that. Uh, so these are just my guesses. I mean, always difficult to judge player values. It depends, it, you know, it goes from team to team. Some One team may value a player a lot more than the other teams will. But those are my guesses on some potential trade part, uh, targets for the New York Jets. Our last question. Hi, Jim. John, you've talked in the past about how process is usually more important than results. We've seen Douglas have decent process and results in the draft, waiver wire, pickups, and trades. But it's a different story when it comes to contract negotiations, whether it's for free agents, resigning his own, or even draft picks. What do you see that's broken in Douglas's process in contract negotiations and what needs to be fixed? That's a great question. So, I don't know that I think process is more important than results, but I think process, good process typically leads to good results. You can have bad process and give you, leave you good results. You have good process that leads to bad results, but typically over the long run, good process is good leads to good results. Bad process leads to bad results. So I do focus on process. Uh, There are a couple couple issues I have with Douglas in free agency. Now, the thing with Douglas is like he has the easy he had the easiest act to follow ever because Mike Mcagn was so bad in free agency that like anybody would look good next to him. Mcagn like gave blank checks to guys who weren't anywhere worth anywhere near worthy of the money that he gave, like Trumaine Johnson. These are these are my thoughts on Douglas. One is that I think he's too, and this is also an issue in the draft. You know, if we talk about Douglas's draft process. I think Douglas has been a decent drafter, but I think there are some issues with this process. One is he's just like too obsessed with traits. And in free agency, he clearly bets on pedigree. He he signs guys who have been disappointments, who were early round picks, who have great athletic testing numbers, or at least did when they came out. Nicole Hardman's an example of this. Jared Davis his first year. Uh, Corey Davis. He goes for, he tries to find guys who, again, were draft Disappointments, but have elite physical tools, and he thinks he can fix them. And outside of Sheldon Rankins, I don't think he's been a, done a very good job of identifying these people. And yet you want to look more for results. Uh, second issue, you want to look more for results. Guys who have played well um, when you when you try and sign free agents. The second thing that comes to mind, I like that Douglas has this price and sticks to it. I think you have to have discipline. I think you can really mess your cap up if you don't. Uh, if you don't have discipline when you're giving out, when you're making contract negotiations. Now, Douglas has messed the cap up, but it's not, you know, it's not for that reason. I do think there's occasionally a player, and this has especially been true on the offensive line, where the player just meet, the player just matters so much that it's not, it, it becomes less than an academic exercise. What do I mean? It's like normally if like a guy's the ninth best, I don't know, linebacker in football, you would not want to make him more than the ninth highest paid linebacker. I think on the offensive line, there's such a dearth of talent in this league that if there's an elite young guy who hits the market, you may want to overpay for him. Jack Conklin back in 2020 when the Jets settled for George Fants an example. Orlando Brown last year when the Jets let him get away to Cincinnati. I think that Douglas maybe times is a little too disciplined. If that makes sense, I mean, I, I like his I like his overall philosophy of not like overpaying, not setting the market. I do think that there are some instances, especially with the young linemen entering their prime, where it makes sense to do that. So those are a couple of areas where I think I would criticize Douglas in free agency a little bit. And it's, and again, that first area where he focuses too much on traits, I think that's just an overall weakness. I see that in the draft also. Becton over Tristan Wirfs is a good example of that. You know, fine, you know, uh, lots of other examples. But th- those are some areas that come to mind for me with Douglas. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so let you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoy the show and listening on the podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the show. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with Mike DeBate. Crossover Thursday, Jets Patriots. Can't wait.